Patrick here with some exciting news. We now have 10 local communities of engineering leaders hosting in-person meetups all over the world. Yes, you heard that right. There are 10 local communities in cities all over the world. These groups are led by engineering leaders just like you who wanted to create a place to connect, to share insights, and tackle critical challenges in the job. To get involved, go to elc.community. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, make sure you update your location and we'll get you plugged in. We're launching local events all the time. You can find them and get involved again at elc.community. Even though I started out as an engineer, I discovered that hacking people is a lot more interesting than hacking code. So I love building teams and sort of getting over the challenges with people to build products. I've struggled with this at points as an engineer, and I struggled with this at points as an engineering manager on a team. We had gone through the journey and we've uncovered areas how we were successful, whether consciously or unconsciously. I hear how hard it is to claw for the sufficient resources and priority to get it done. There is this category of skills that senior leaders have to develop, and they're, they're almost unwritten rules, right? And your ability to not just articulate your ideas, but to articulate your ideas in different venues is very important. If you want to be a more effective leader, you need to learn the full range of leadership skills. And many of those are in the realm of wisdom and emotional intelligence. And generally speaking, most engineering schools don't focus on that. When I was coming up as an engineering manager, I didn't have the resources that are available today. I do not love public speaking, but it is one of those skills that is very important. And it's something that I wish that I had learned earlier. Having seen that over and over again, just pulling together a few tricks and tips that can really, really help. Over time, I tried to develop ways to actually improve this in the team, and I wanted to share that experience with everybody. And I wanted to be able to share our experience with the broader engineering community. That's why this could be a catalytic experience for you uh, by improving your full range, your full portfolio of leadership skills. Welcome, everybody, to the first edition or the first ever live recording of the Engineering Leadership Podcast. I believe we're live. This is our first time doing it, so there is no guarantee. So we've got our eye on the chat. I'm Patrick Gallagher, one of the co-hosts of the Engineering Leadership Podcast, joined by Tim Laboy Koparopa, who's our special guest co-host. Welcome, Tim. He's our ELC's head of community. Tim, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Patrick. I'm really excited to, to be here. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. So this being your first time on the podcast, are you excited? How are you feeling? What's going through your head? Yeah, super, super excited. Slightly intimidating, uh, mostly because I, I've been listening to, to the show and the podcast now for, for a, bit, a good bit of time and just knowing the, the caliber of guests that we've had on previously. And I, of course, look up to you and, and Jerry as well. So just hoping that I, that I do a good enough job that Jerry, as a co-host that is not here currently, is proud of, of our performance today. Well, I'm really excited that you're here to help join me here. And we're also joined uh, by four incredible facilitators helping us out with the, the summit. He'll be jumping up here in a, in a moment. But first, we're, we're going to talk about a couple different things. So we're here to talk about the upcoming ELC virtual summit that's happening on April 20th through the 22nd. You just heard from some of the speakers that are going to be joining for our sessions. Tim, what do you think about that opening message from some of the speakers? Well, I, I think what stood out to me the most was this concept of finding solutions that already exist and finding people that that are willing to support you. Uh, I think ultimately leadership is a journey that shouldn't be traveled alone and, and doesn't have to be traveled alone by, by any means. So I thought that was that was really good to, to hear, especially as we think about some of the, the challenges that, that we face today, whether that's daily life challenges or some of them that, that impact our organizations or, or the world at large. Absolutely. I think the background context for this for, for everybody listening in was we as we were preparing with speakers for their sessions, we we asked them the question of what are you most excited about to share for your topic? Why are you excited to talk about your topic and why is this important to you? And what was so interesting was some of the similar themes echoing from each person. And like you said, Tim, like very much so trying to pay it forward. I didn't have that same support when I was coming up in my engineering leadership career. And so I think for me, it was the whole spirit of the community, why it exists, was to provide a source of support and to help people share knowledge. And so for me, it became really exciting to, to be connected to that. We're here to talk about the summit. If you are new to the ELC Summit and this is your first time ever hearing about it, I'm going to give you a quick 
here's what's going on so that you have some context for this conversation and as we jump into some of our roundtables. And so the the quick headline here is that the, the ELC Summit is all about surfacing fresh insights and accelerating leadership growth for other engineering leaders. And it's also about helping you build out a peer support network. And so a lot of the different programs and things that we're going to do are all about helping achieve those specific things. And so at the summit, you're going to learn directly from other engineering leaders, some of the the top engineering leaders and companies that are there. And you're going to be able to build out your support network through a lot of different ways from being able to connect one-on-one with people through different matching mechanisms You're going to be able to join into peer-led roundtables, so you'll get a sense of what that'll look like in a little bit or or what that will sound like, and small group discussions and and things like that. And so when the opportunity here, when I'm thinking about like what's so special about the ELC Summit is that you're going to meet so many people and have more meaningful conversations with more engineering leaders ever before in your career in a virtual environment. That's for me, like the, the bet I'm putting out there is that coming to this, you're going to have a lot of interactions and the goal is to make them meaningful, to make them matter, to make them intentional to help you then solve the most important problems that you're faced with. So that's what we wanted to showcase and share today. Tim and I are going to talk about some of the things that we're excited about, and then some of the behind the scenes, and then we're going to showcase some of the unique elements about this and what makes this uh, really special, and why this is not just any old virtual event. Well, P- Patrick, as, as we're c- kind of going through some of these, these summit pieces that we're excited for, one, Incredibly excited that we get to do a live recording of the Engineering Leadership Podcast and, and are able to share that with with our community as our first one in the ramp up to the summit. But I, I know that you've been spending the last six plus months of, of your life coordinating and working with with some of the speakers that we're going to have at the summit. I, I was wondering, what, what sessions are you most excited about? Six months? Where did the time go? Oh, my God. <laughs> well... I've been blown away from from all the topics from our speakers. Uh, I want to call attention to a couple that just struck me in a way that was, I thought, really, really exciting. So the, the first one I have to call out is, is Johnny Ray. Johnny's doing a session. He's the VP of engineering at Till. Uh, he's doing a leadership lessons from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So many reasons why I thought this was fantastic. It's a nostalgic trip down memory lane. He did some deep Power Rangers research. I'm talking spending the whole weekend binging through episodes of the original season of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and pulled out some just wild and also really holistic leadership lessons. And so I'm talking like team motivation, working through failure, hiring lessons. It is expansive and it is a blast. So that's a session that I think is exciting. Arquay Harris, who you heard from, she's talking about storytelling and the art of public speaking. And she also brought to life some really deep storytelling techniques and strategies. So thinking about how you prepare and structure when you're going in to give give a presentation. So super tactical, but also just had some great stories herself of engineering leadership to anchor those concepts. So just like deeply researched and is going to be really cool. If If you've ever felt stuck preparing for a presentation, that one's awesome. It'll help you get unstuck and structure your information in a way that will, I think, will better inspire other people. A couple other, I mean, I'll read a couple other ones. David Singleton is doing this deep dive into infrastructure and just like dove into Bay Area engineering and construction archives and just has this really powerful metaphor between infrastructure and API or in APIs and the Bay Bridge and how that became like a big metaphor for infrastructure. So you're getting some really good thoughtful frameworks from him. Another infrastructure oriented one, Jan Chong talks about making the case to invest in your platform. I thought this one was important because at some point or another, I think a big tension point is a lot of us as engineering leaders will try to advocate like why we need to invest in infrastructure work versus feature development. And sometimes the case to make that is very not obvious. Jan has this ability to communicate about engineering and metaphors and analogies that I deeply admire. And so she is just like absolutely excellent at advocating for prioritization and investment in those types of projects with executives. So she provides a really great roadmap. And then the, the last one just this one seems relevant for like where the world's going. I know I'm, I'm, I'm going nuts. Um, <laughs> we had a, there's a topic on global site strategy in a post pandemic world. And so in thinking about how we're making this transition in like a late to post COVID world, cross your fingers mm-hmm. and it's gone. I thought this one was really interesting in terms of like expanding your team and a lot of the growth that folks experience. So that's with Ankur Sina. He's a CTO at Remotely. So lots to be excited about, Patrick. Lots to be excited about. There's like, there's like 20 other sessions too. So like, that's just like a little sample. But anyway, Tim, what about you? You've been, you've been deeply involved in planning this too. Like, what are you most excited about? Yeah. Uh, well, 
I'm also excited about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers because I may or may not have had a set of PJs back in the day about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So I'm excited to be and learn about leadership through that. I but hope you I, break I think, out the PJs for the session. We'll bring you. We'll, we'll bring you up live. You got it. You know, I, I think we might have to save that for next year's. But I, I think what what I'm most excited about is actually our community roundtables. I'm I'm a big proponent and believer, right, as the power of community and the power of of people. And I think some of the topics that that we're going to be able to discuss and have our community members share, like motivating teams when tackling tech debt, or developing and maintaining inclusive career ladders. Or even one about conflict optimization piece with Jordan Adler, who is a past podcast guest. I, I think these are conversations that sometimes are the most important to have in spaces where you're able to truly say what I believe to be the three most powerful words that are, I don't know. And I, I might not know how to optimize for a conflict, or I might not know how to motivate my team when handling tech debt, but being able to be in a space with other eng leaders that understand that that fear sometimes or potential anxiety around trying something new or even admitting that there's there's a problem or how do I identify this problem is going to be really special. So I'm, I'm excited really the most for, for some of those community roundtables and, and the ability for people to connect and engage with one another. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about what are roundtables, because I think people may have a certain conception. And I know we're going to immerse people and, and model some of what they'll look like. Can you share a little bit more about like what are roundtables and why this is going to be valuable for people to attend during the summit? Because there's there's a lot going on. Why should people come to that specific session? Yeah, community roundtables are, are really going to be small group discussions. These small group discussions are, are going to be a space for, for candid and let's say capital R, real conversation and discussion. So a, a space where it is okay to not know what you don't know, as long as you want to learn and discuss and provide perspective on a topic or a theme or whatever that roundtable might be focused on. And really making sure that that time and engagement, it doesn't have to just stick to that small group. They're going to be around 45 minutes or so. So we're not going to solve the world's issues in 45 minutes. But what can happen is unearth some insights from colleagues and peers and be able to continue the conversation afterwards. Again, ELC is a, is a community that, that is meant to support one another when it comes to tackling some of these leadership challenges in, in engineering. And like we heard from some of our, our speakers and some of our, our keynotes, it, it isn't a journey that has to be traveled alone. There are people that, that want to support. So we're going to have these spaces for small group discussion. Again, 45 minutes or so. And really what I think is the most important part is they're going to be limited attendance. Uh, we're capping attendance at around 15 people because we, we want to make sure that these small group discussions are spaces for folks that want to be active in, in that discussion, want to be uh, a part of that space and collaborate with other members of, of the roundtable, as opposed to just necessarily kind of just letting it all come in. There'll be space and sessions and time for, for that during the summit as well. But these roundtables are really meant for digging in and, and rumbling through some some important topics and challenges. Thank you, Tim. I think, and I guess the big by the way is we're going to illustrate this now and give people a sense of what some of the and sample some of the ideas of like what this experience would be like. So do you want to welcome up our, our roundtable hosts and get into it? Yeah, really excited to welcome uh, some of our community roundtable hosts, Joy, Andre, Len, and Kang, who are here to talk through some of their, their topics. And the way that we're going to do that is first, we're going to give them a chance to introduce themselves, but then we're going to go into some some roundtables of our own and sort of show what, what we mean by that. The, the way this is going to work is we're going to have about 10 minutes per topic. I will be the keeper of the time. I will set an alarm for nine minutes. After nine minutes, I will say, hey, this is kind of the, the one minute warning for us to wrap up this topic. And then we will move on to to the next one. Folks that are that are joining live and, and in the chat, please, this is this is a, a time for y'all as, as we're discussing these topics. Please share your insights, questions, and thoughts as well. We definitely wanna wanna hear from y'all and as we go into into some of these. So without further ado, I wanna first start by letting everyone share your your name, role, company, and in your roundtable topic. And really why that topic is is one that you're choosing to lead this roundtable on. And then we'll get started. So why don't we start with, with Kang? Hi, everyone. My name's 
is Ken He. I'm the VP of Engineering at LiveRAM. My team help companies around the world to help leverage their data in a very effective way, no matter where the data lives. And my roundtable topic is performance management. And the reason why I'm so excited about this particular topic is that this is why, or one of the main reasons why I became a people manager is I would like to help people grow in their career and realize their potential. And I see performance management and active, proactive performance management is how I help my people grow. Awesome. Love that, Ken. Up next, we'll have Joy. Hello, everyone. I am Joy Dixon, Senior Manager of Engineering on the Nonprofit Cloud over at Salesforce. So funny. I even told you my cloud. So used to interviewing myself that way. Uh, my topic is courageous leadership. And the reason I chose that topic and really want to share it with folks is one of the things that's super important to me is creating really equitable environments where we are providing opportunities for people to grow and just really inspiring innovation in the full nine. And for that, what I've noticed is it really takes that extra you're going first, you know, and that leadership piece and really want to dive in and not only share what I know, but really I'm looking forward to hearing what everybody else's experiences is around courageous leadership. Really happy to have you here, Joy, and returning to the podcast as a recent guest. Up next, we have Andre. Hi, everyone. My name is Andrei Rebrov. I am CTO and co-founder at Sandbird. And Sandbird is a subscription service for perfumes and colognes. So we help everyone to smell much better, even if you work remote. So you should also enjoy it. And my topic is... I'm trying to address a big elephant in the room, which is a great designation that happened last year, and we still, I believe, are going through it. As a leader of a small, medium-sized uh, team of 35 engineers, for me, it became really hard to attract engineers and retain engineers. And obviously, one of the tasks that my CEO assigned me to is to make sure that we as a company can survive this. So my topic is called hiring versus buying. So in, in which cases you should, you should still hire people, you should grow your team, and in which cases you, you should take this amazing off-the-shelf product and implement it into your infrastructure. Last but certainly not least, we have one. Hi, uh, I'm Wen. I'm the founder and Wen Coaching. I help first and second generation immigrants and during leader build authentic and energetic leadership. So I work 15 years and as an engineering leader in the tech industry. And my passion now is to coach senior leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to design and reach career and life success in their own definition. So I actually have two roundtable topics, but for today, uh, we will be focusing on helping women in tech thrive in their careers. The topic is dear to my heart for two distinct reasons. First, from my own engineering career as a woman, I experienced firsthand the struggle of balancing authenticity, purpose, and career growth, and I know I'm not alone there. And secondly, I have coached successful and high-performing women, and they all come with their unique set and also common set of challenges. So as an engineering leader and a career coach, I really want to use this opportunity to bring up the awareness with the roundtable topic to have a really lively and helpful dialogue. And moreover, what we can do collectively to create the future that we want to see together. Thank you, Wen. And, and I think as all of our, our topics here and, and the ones that we're going to be having at the summit show, these conversations matter outside of, you know, some of the, the goals and objectives that, that our respective organizations have. At the end of the day, we're, we're also interacting with people. And that's what it means to be a leader. Patrick here with some exciting news. We now have 10 local communities of engineering leaders hosting in-person meetups all over the world. Yes, you heard that right. There are 10 local communities in cities all over the world. These groups are led by engineering leaders just like you who wanted to create a place to connect, to share insights, and tackle critical challenges in the job. To get involved, go to elc.community. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, make sure you update your location and we'll get you plugged in. We're launching local events all the time. You can find them and get involved again at elc.community. 
So really excited to, to dig in. And uh, as we're discussing people, I, I think it would make sense for, for us to start with Kang, with, with your topic, being around performance management. So as a reminder of the rules, I will be setting a, a nine-minute timer. I'll kick it off to you once once we start that timer and then give that, that last kind of minute warning for us to wrap up before we move on to our next topic. But Kang, take it away. Sure. I think when we talk about performance management, that topic can really go several directions, right? We can talk about performance review. We can talk about how to help the low performers. We can talk about how to help the high performers and all that. So I would like to start this roundtable with a question. I think like for the leaders here, maybe go back a few years. It's like, what was the most, uh, most frustrated conversation that you ever had? with your manager when it comes to performance management? Maybe we can start with Joy. Sure. I would say receiving actionable feedback was one of the most frustrating, you know, because you want to grow. I would speak for myself. I want to grow. And I also want to have that understanding about where those areas that I need to grow. But I need them to be concrete so I can actually take actions on them. I see. So you're saying that you are getting, uh, you were getting feedback, but well, that's not actionable, right? It's too vague. It's not situational. That's a very common like thing that happens during the performance review sessions and during the performance management conversations. Andrew, what about you? My most frustrating experience was when there were no conversation at all, because in my previous, previous career, like there were no performance management at all. We were working as a big outsourcing company, and the only goal for the company was to produce some software and be with the customers. So this company didn't have any idea and didn't have any intention to grow the people who work there. And unless you were self-starter, unless you had a really good team leader or some kind of role model around you, there are zero chances for you to grow anyhow. Yeah, I hear you, right? So I think as engineers, we all want to know where we are in our career and where, like, what is our next steps if we want to advance our career? When? what about you? Yeah, for me, I share what Joey has and also with unclear expectation. It's almost like in every, like... <laughs> performance discussion and the the things that needs to be done things to be shifting and shifting every time it's like you know it's never enough in a way exactly right so it's like hey what is my role what is actually expected out of me and my current level i want to move up to the next level i want to move to the to a parallel role but what does that really mean Right. If there's no guidance from the management, from the leadership team to the broader engineering team, people normally feel confused. And the reason why I ask about uh, your personal experience uh, when you were an, an IC, we're really thinking about a lot of the engineers who's in tech that probably struggling with very similar things, just like you mentioned. That's why I think in the roundtable discussion, I really want to talk about this topic and then really want to encourage the uh, engine managers and the, and the leaders to share their best practice when it comes to this, right? It's not just about like not performing. It's really about helping people understand where they are. So now that you turned into a management role, you're probably like suffering from the experience of like, hey, we need to roll out job ladders. We need to do quarterly or yearly reviews. What are some unexpected feedbacks that you received from your team when you did those reviews from that? Uh, maybe this time we can start with uh, when. The unexpected feedback I got. Yeah, when you are a mm -hmm. manager, right? And then mm -hmm. you are doing the performance review with mm -hmm. your people. Was there any unexpected feedback that you got? Yeah, the, the biggest one to me is actually, oh, I thought I would be promoted in this cycle while we have not discussed it at all. <laughs> so I was like, what? Yeah, so it's definitely very different perspective, like as an IC and as a manager, you know, how you, when I want to help my people grow in their career, it mm -hmm. is an intentional discussions and, and path forward, right? And having that discussion early, 
to enable enough time to really, you know, make changes and show progress. That's really important. But I think many ICs actually don't know about it. They're just like waiting for things to happen for them. Right. That's such a good point. Proactive mm-hmm. and a frequent feedback uh, to the people that we lead. That's yeah. very, very important. Andrew, what about you? What were some of the unexpected feedback that you got from your team members? I think one of the most unexpected experiences that I had uh, when I was communicating the performance results to one of the engineers, he said that based on the feedback that he got, he wants actually to try himself in a different career field because he wanted to become like, after spending several years in being a front-end engineer, he said, you know what, I've been working as a front-end engineer. I think I achieved great results here, but now I want to become a product manager. So like, could you please provide me a feedback as a product manager and like, what should I do there? And that was an unexpected thing to hear because people usually ask how to grow up and maybe how to still stay in the engineering team and maybe try different verticals there, but not completely different feedback. Hey, I want to completely switch what I'm doing and go to a different, uh, different field because I think I achieved everything in this organization. Yeah. Unexpected, but good to know, right? Because as managers, like we are not just helping people to grow up in one career track. There may be opportunities within the company, right? In a parallel org where we can actually say, hey, you know what? If that's what your uh, career aspirations uh, are, here is actually the path where you can work on your current role by exploring a different role within the company and then helping the people to smoothly do that transition. But all those actions actually opens up when we have that performance management, when we have that performance conversation with our people. Joy, what about you? Mine is similar to Lynn's as far as unexpected is, and it's really about having an IC say they expect it to be promoted, even though we've never had that conversation. So pretty much roughly the same as what Wen shared. And so it's really interesting too to make sure to provide the the information to the ICs, like the cadence and so forth. I think you had already touched upon this, King, around like when people are, you know, when that whole promotion cycle comes up and how to prepare as opposed to, you know, I just kind of, you know, have a conversation one day with my manager. So that would be the most unexpected. Yeah. And this is the magic and this is the power of the round table, right? Like even within a four people, very small group, we already see that people are, we're having like very similar experience and struggle with a very similar, like I expect feedback. Hey, people thought that they're going to get promoted, right? So in the submit, I believe the round table uh, will be a, a slightly bigger. So we can all walk in the round table and they say, oh, the challenges that I'm having, the problems that <laughs> I'm dealing with, I'm not alone. There are other people who experience very similar things and they probably came up with like some really good ways of like go around it or, or solve those problems. And that community, that peer group there to support that is, is something that's like the magic from the round table sessions. Kang, I... I think one, the, the alarm was just going off on my phone. So you, that was great in terms of adjusting for time. But I think something that, that stood out to me, especially as with your first question, was the thought of let's go back in time a little bit to when we were all starting out. And I think that is such a, such a powerful question around what were the behaviors and expectations that shaped us into who we are now? Mm-hmm. And how can we make sure that our our team don't go through the same frustrations don't go through the 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 same i don't know like like issues and and do feel that support it's like that quote of when you know better you do better so we we all should know better having lived through it so how can we how can we pass that on so Kang, I'm really excited for your roundtable uh, at the summit. Thank you for for kicking us off during this live version of it and up next we're actually going to go to joy all right. Thank you much, Tim. And yes, King, that was great. I'm hopefully we are not at the same time so I could attend your session. That would be awesome, right? So hi everyone. As I introduce myself, I am Joy Dixon and my roundtable topic is courageous leadership, as I shared earlier. So the reason this is super important to me, I think I've shared a little bit already, is really about creating equitable environments. One of the things that 
we have noticed throughout the years and especially the past couple of years with the pandemic is just the importance for like just human connections. Human connections are really of the utmost importance. We have technology, we do that all day, every day, but really forming like solid connections with one another, especially your team. And especially now where there's that idea maybe before where you bring your whole self to work, now you literally do because I'm at your house with you. I see your pets, I see your collections. So I see all of you for real, even if you didn't want me to, I do now, right? So I think that is really important. But along with that is having the courage to have those conversations that sometimes we may have avoided because we thought they were too personal. Well, we work with people. So really taking that step to have those conversations, to have the conversations around like equity and some of the other challenges that we've seen that have come about in the past couple of years. Actually, they've been around way longer than the past couple of years. It's just social media has maybe, you know, amplified them a wee bit more than they were in the past. And really back to similar to King's around just providing feedback. Because if we say we want our people to grow, we have to have the courage to not only provide the kudos, but also to provide the constructive feedback and to be able to create a safe space for discourse. Because in that place, in that safe place for discourse is where we truly get innovation. Otherwise, one person's talking and the rest of us are just moving around with consensus. So. Those are some of the ideas and things that I would like to share and would love to hear people's thoughts on. But I'm going to take a page out of uh, King's book because I, too, have a question just to kind of get us rolling here. Is I'd love to know when you hear the phrase courageous leadership, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And I'm going to start with when. Thank you, Joy. For me, the first thing that came up is actually vulnerability because I think it actually takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable and to be real. And I also believe that's where true leadership and true connection and trust really start to form. Excellent. I will dive in and say a few things about that. But I'm going to go around the table first. Andre, you seem to be number two everywhere, so I should have mixed it up. <laughs> Next time I'll make you number three or number one. <laughs> no worries. No worries. So as a joke, courageous leadership is a leadership in a startup. It takes courage to join a company that has no predictable future. But on a serious note, I would say courageous leadership is about being transparent because what, two years already brought a lot of good and bad things on our plates. And it requires courage to, to be transparent to your company and saying, hey, things are going not in the right direction. We might need to change what we do. Like a good example here is building uh, a community, like the community that was community or any event business because everyone sits in the home, cannot go anywhere. And it takes courage to continue to what you do and still organize events and bring people together. That's great. Thank you. I love that perspective. King. Maybe because of my culture background, right? It's it's more like, hey, we don't really like to say no to, to things, right? And courage sometimes is for me, it's like it's say no. It's actually speaking up, especially in the high stake uh, table when I have an opinion and then the courage to actually speak up to state my opinion and state it firmly especially when there are multiple approach to things and sometimes i'm not so sure if this is something that's like hey am i saying the right thing i always double check myself right there's always some imposter syndrome there's like hey maybe at this particular context i'm lacking something but more often than not that I found that, hey, people are actually here. Like people are like, oh, that's a very valid point that we are missing, right? So finding that internal voice of like, hey, Ken, like just be quiet or like, hey, Ken, actually go out there and say something and being a leader, like we are empowered and we, it's our job to say things and make decisions. When it's time to say no, say no. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ken. Thank you, all three of you, for that. Just go back to each one of your perspectives. So 
around the vulnerability piece, I am a huge Brene Brown fan, some of you may have heard. And without a doubt, vulnerability is really important. One of the challenges around that is really, what does that mean for people? So would love to double click during this roundtable on what vulnerability really is. It's not what I'm just gonna call spewing <laughs> or quote unquote oversharing right? It's not saying everything that comes to mind and thinking that's going to create the connection. That's where you're vulnerable. It's those things that really give you pause. So some of those to what like Ken was saying, where you really know you have to be courageous because this is taking you outside of your comfort zone. This is something new. However, you have something in you that's tugging on you so much so that you know you actually have to say it even though it might be really challenging in the moment, right? So yes, without a doubt, the, the vulnerability piece, and I really would love to talk more about how that really, that's really strength. I know some people think of it as a weakness, but it's really a strength to show up every day as yourself and for your team, you know? And that kind of dovetails into Andre's about, like, really, am I willing to be cur courageous enough to take on this, you know, new organization here that's just getting started and kind of building the whole thing up and building community. I think that's really an awesome thing to look at as well. And yeah, and I already touched upon King. So yeah, those are awesome. Those are really awesome. Really appreciate that piece of it all. So along with that, when you think about courageous leadership, I have a question for you all. If you saw this, you saw this roundtable topic, what is it that you would like to gain from it? So, Andre, so you're not two. I'm going to put you at one today. <laughs> and actually, on that note, in many cases, I think a leader is the person who, a courageous leader, especially the person who is not speaking up first, but who is speaking up the last. So I would learn, and especially when the topic touches everyone in the organization and you need to hear everyone's opinion, what I would love to learn is how to listen carefully to everyone and articulate to everyone's fears and concerns about the direction that we are going in. Yes, thank you. Really appreciate that. Yeah, listening is a huge part of this piece of it all. Ken, how about you? Yeah, I would agree with Andre there. I, I do think that going into the roundtable and then listen to uh, different stories and then learn about people's uh, experience and then resonate with like all those like different struggles that people have when it comes to courageous leadership, going to broaden the like, oh, that uh, I may not be the only one who's like struggling with this. I'm going to exhibit a little bit of courageous leadership and uphold our expectations on the, the 10 minute and the nine minute warning. So just as a heads up, we are down to our last minute when it comes to courageous leadership. Perfect. Thank you, Tim, because without a timekeeper, I would keep going. All right. <laughs> when? how about you? I guess I, I would be really curious about what's so important that can pull us forward. So we have the courage to do it, regardless of the fears and everything, right? And I guess like finding out like the, the real reason behind it and kind of like how to inspire, you know, the entire team to to go together. And I think, yeah, that would be something I would love to learn more. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you for that. And just to kind of wrap it up, I really appreciate that. So we'll definitely cover those pieces as well as really just not only the challenges, but I want to hear the successes as well, back to where we started and then where we are now so people can actually model themselves. I think that would be really great as well to see where somebody with everything coming at them, they stood for what they thought was the most important thing to say. So I think I may have like three seconds left, Tim. <laughs> You're, you are great, especially on, on a note like that. I, I think we, and I think this relates too to Andre, what you shared, that we sometimes the most courageous thing to do is to just kind of stop, reflect and analyze and see what's going on. And, and sometimes it can be so hard to speak up when things aren't going great, but also sometimes it can be hard to speak up and say, actually things are going great or things are going well. And how do we celebrate those wins and those accomplishments and, and recognize that, yeah, we can always do better. There can always be a little bit more, 
But for right now, we have done an incredible job. So I, I think, Joy, as, as we wrap up that conversation on courageous leadership, sometimes it, it takes courage to be able to admit, you know, for right now, this is good enough is good enough. And, and we can we can survive and we can thrive it a little bit later. So Andre, bringing you to number three, talking about navigating hiring crunches with, with hiring versus buying. So excited to, to dig in again, nine minutes, and I'll give you your warning. Thank you. So we already shared our previous experience, our current experience, but I would love to put the participants here in a hypothetical situation. So imagine you're meeting with your direct manager, maybe the CEO, president, or director of engineering, and this person is telling you, we are not hiring for the next uh, 9 to 12 months, we are going to buy more and take more of the shelf products, and we will start, we will start with the product X, and you know that this product X is not great. What is your immediate reaction? What are your thoughts? And why so? And I would love to start with Ken. So I think my immediate reaction is really to analyze the like what the business really need at that at that moment and that particular product that i believe you mentioned it's a list of products right it's not just one right like some of them may be something that's not seen as the core core competency of the company so those are the things that could potentially like the, the company can go out and then buy those vendor products as though as that we don't really get into a vendor locking situation, right? So if the product doesn't really work as it advertised to be, then we can back ourselves out, right? And then for certain products, there's like, hey, that's what this company is built upon. We cannot really go in and buy the vendor product. There's no such, uh, there, there's no out of the box solution out there that we can buy, then we should really consider that, hey, how can we build it in-house and maybe deprioritize some of the other projects there? So it is like case by case. It depends on what the business needs out there. Thank you, Ken. And I would love to articulate a couple of things that you just said. So analysis is important, business needs, and core competency here. And I'd love to continue with when. What's your reaction? Yeah, uh, for me, the first thing I, I agree with Ken, where like it is the product we're, you know, thinking about buying or building ourselves. Is it the core business? And if it is, uh, we definitely want to find a way to build it in-house instead of having that dependencies. And I think the other one is also about like data security. Like, do we have the security of our data? Can we leverage it in a way that will be helpful for the business? So that would be my another concern. And then in terms of like really evaluating buy versus build, I think a lot of time people not like taking account the integration and also later like the maintenance that's needed for <laughs> even for you know buying <laughs> they're like crazy amount of maintenance that's still needed like the meetings that <laughs> you know collaborating so those are often time neglect in the beginning so i would love to kind of do all the assessment together and to really evaluate what would make the most sense yeah that's such a good point. It's mm -hmm. like uh, sometimes it's like the like what we actually pay is actually more than the price tag. There's an like integration cost. There's like training people to, to mm -hmm. use it, right? It's like all the costs come after the buying action. That's yep. such a good yep. point. Yeah. I have a personal story when we went for the third party product and unfortunately to their security issue, it all ended up with, uh, with a data breach on our side. So uh, for a lot of um, engineering managers, especially in their like when it's their first time career, they don't analyze things like security, vendor lock, and other so-called non-functional requirements, non-functional things, which might end up in a very bad situation. Thank you. So, Joy, how about you? Yeah, I will echo what Ken and Wen said in a sense of the analysis piece upfront, really understanding the business. Um, portion of it all and what's driving it, that's really important because one along with just, you know, will it solve the issue and the problem is the timeline. 
what is the actual timeline that we need for this and the delivery? Because that might factor into whether we move forward with the build or the buy. I think the other part too, like what Wynn was saying was like the after it's installed. I think that one's really important to keep in mind because yes, Ken mentioned it, like the price could really go up exponentially as opposed to the cost of actually building it inside. And with that, thinking about, because Ken, you mentioned this about getting locked in to that particular vendor, which if you had to have some type of separation later on down the line, could be even more costly. So I think really taking the time to truly do the analysis on like the business part and what's happening right now, but also looking ahead, like, will this really be the solution in like two years and five years? Am I making something easier now and going to cost more later? Or am I really making the best long-term decision for my organization right now? Thank you, Joy, for bringing in this word that a lot of engineering managers don't want to hear costs because we like we love amazing things that we can just click up a couple of buttons and things work but we might not care that much about the invoice that we'll get at the end of the month and i believe that it's very important for engineer for engineer leaders to work closely with their finance uh colleagues because if we want to build a successful company, we need to think about all the consequences of our decisions and cost is a part of it, a big part of it. In some cases, the biggest part of these decisions. Thanks everyone for sharing your like, what will happen in your head after hearing such news. My other question is appealing to another part of this argument, hiring versus uh, buying. What do you think is the most compelling argument that you can make towards your leadership in your case? Enjoy, I would love to start with you. Enjoy, before you go, Andre, this is your one minute warning before uh, we switch to the next topic. So Joy, your answer might be part of Andre's wrap up here for his mini round table. So no pressure. No pressure um, at all. I'll keep it short know. though, in case we will do the speed answer. I would say my central argument would be around just the in-house knowledge and you have deeper knowledge if folks are actually building it as opposed to kind of pulling in a product as well as the maintainability because folks might have more access to making changes as we keep growing instead of, you know, if we buy something, we might be locked into the way it is set up at that particular time. And these are really amazing points to keep in mind. And if you want to hear more uh, capitalist arguments, and if you want to uh, build your team further, please come to the roundtable and you'll have more time to discuss this topic. Thank you, everyone. Oh, that was such a great transition, Andre. Also, just want to give a shout out to the unexpected point of befriend your CFO. And Andre, <laughs> we've known each other for some time now, and I know that for the last year or so, you've had a a really close relationship with your CFO navigating a lot of different things. So um, you're definitely my go-to person to talk about uh, that type of relationship. So just wanted to, to shout that out. Sorry, Tim, for jumping in. I just, I've been quiet no, for a while. I, you know, like I, I haven't asked a question <laughs> in a hot minute. So you're, you're all good, Patrick. And really, I think Andre's point really, I think encompasses this larger conversation, which I'm excited to sort of transition to, to one's topic because it is the role of engineering leader, engineering manager in spaces that are outside of directly engineering. There are a lot of hats that engineering leaders need to, need to wear, and, and some of those relate to the financial pieces. Some of those relate to the business. Some of those re might relate to how do we position certain projects, whether they are delayed on time or we might need to change the scope a little bit. This next one is is one that I'm really excited for. So so when to your topic with helping women be, be able to, to thrive in tech and thrive in their tech careers as opposed to just survive in, in mm -hmm. this space. So again, I'll, I'll give you your, your one minute warning when, when we're there, but take it away. 
All right, thank you, Tim. Yeah, I talk a little bit about why I'm passionate about this topic, and it's great that when I first started in tech, there's only few women. Now I see a lot more, which is awesome. But along the way, I also kind of start seeing people struggle. You know, people drop out or people kind of hit that kind of like mid level ceilings. So I, I'm curious. The first question I have for you, if You're a woman, like in this case, Joey. Like, what are the unique challenges that you face as you know, woman in tech? Yeah, that's really interesting. People have asked me that, and I will say honestly, when I have faced more challenges based on my race than I have on my gender,、mm. that has usually been the one that I encounter most or have encountered most. As far as the gender piece, that one really hasn't factored in. I think that one with my mentees. That one has been challenging for some of them, and just you know being underestimated, you know, for what they can do and the value that they bring. So that's one of them. Or, you know, this standard being and sad but true. I shouldn't call it standard, but it kind of happens often. You know, being talked over, or you know, not being listened to, has been you know one of. The ones which really sets people up for starting to doubt themselves and their abilities when they are already more than capable of, you know, being successful. So those are some of the challenges that I know people have experienced. Yeah, thank you, Joy, for sharing. Yeah, being underestimated and being talked over, not being listened to. Like I also heard so much, and I have personally experienced myself as well. And there are certain like perceptions. I think like as a woman that、uh, many kind of have. Towards like one of the very typical one is like oh as a woman you're not technical enough. <laughs> That's one of the common one I heard. So I'm curious for Ken and Andrew. Definitely, you have you know other like women's in the technology. So what are the the bias kind of you you observe、uh, along the way for them? I will start with Ken. I mean, I don't really have a good answer for this. And I am curious about though is being a leader in the room, right? Like, what can I do more, right? Or what can I do to really help in those situations, right? When you say, "Hey, I don't feel like I'm being heard," or like, for example, if I say, "Hey,、uh, maybe Joy,、uh, Joy is talking," and that that let her finish her thought, right? Let her make her point there, right? Like when when I observe people like cut you off in those like conversations, is that Is that helpful? I just want to learn more about、uh, this particular topic. Actually, the bias that I observe—it's like I started to observe it way before my engineering career. It was in the university. Like、uh, university, our group was—I think it was fifteen, fifteen people in our group, and there are only two women there. And I think, and what what I heard a lot, even from some older professors, that engineering and math is not for women. And for me, it was really weird to hear because、mm. my mother、uh, was an engineer back in Soviet Union, and she was working in uh, radio, um, radio electronics. And my sister was a scientist, and she's PhD now. So for me, hearing that was kind of ridiculous because I had great examples that is not true. And、mm. I know has the situation changed since then, but I know there are a lot of wrong opinion that for some reason engineering. Is like engineering, IT, or maybe specific、uh, careers there for some reason is not women,、mm-hmm. which is not true because like so many great examples that defines that. Thank you, Andre, and like so happy that you you have a, a role model like that. <laughs> Right, so I know as engineering leader, as analytic people, we're always solving problems, right? That's why I think like Fukin and Patrick were like, "Oh, what can I do?" <laughs> so the next question I have is, so how can we help women to not only you know stay in tech but really thrive in their careers? So I'm gonna start with King this time. So I think for me is that I will have those uh, one-on-one uh, sessions for people who's not in my re-、uh, reporting line, and then、mm-hmm. and then really in those sessions when I build those like trust relationship, and、mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it's like、uh, women, it's like hey, I can provide like my perspective about like hey, from my perspective, what's happening in that room,、mm-hmm. right? To help, I think the other side to really like understand like. 
the dynamic in the room, and also in those conversations, I get to know like how she feels. Right、mm. in those heated discussions, and then basically think about okay, in the next conversations like this, when when I'm going to be in in the me-、uh, same meetings like together with her, what can I do better?、Mm. And also it's like oh, that's what she's like really want or looking for. What do I see in the organization as opportunities, and I'll be more proactive and sponsor the person to grab that opportunity. Yeah, thank you, Ken. That's awesome.、Uh, first, start with listen and understand what do、uh, women want in that case, and and what are the ways that you can offer resources in the organization and be a sponsor to offer the opportunities for them. Right. Thank you. And Andre. There are a couple of things that come to mind. First one is hiring. To make sure, like first of all, make sure that like when we are hiring. We have diverse representation among candidates, and in many cases, like I ask our recruitment companies who who bring us leads, like why these are only white white males, like what's wrong? Like that could that can be true. Like we need more diverse engineering team. Like even like working in a fragrance, like we are we are working in a fragrance company. Like we need different opinion about the product that we build. And that's one. And second, as engineering leader,、uh, we are responsible for we are responsible for the culture, and like the culture that I see in many companies, this like bro culture,、uh, with different terms, with specific jokes and things like that, and like happening both in the formal meetings, like daily conversations. So my role here is help people navigate the discussion, and if they're saying something that is that might be. Offensive or something wrong, like somehow convert the situation, and then providing the feedback during one-on-one to the person. Say, hey, like, have you thought about consequences on your work? It could be of- offensive for someone else in the organization.、Mm, great, thank you, Andre. So providing that safe culture and the respectful culture to treat people equally and give feedback privately when it's something that、uh, you want to change. That's awesome. Thank you, Andre. Enjoy. Enjoy as we go into your answer.、Uh, you have landed again on our last answer before the minute warning. So, again, second time, no pressure. You did a great job last time. Phenomenal. So, just l- l- let's hope it's, it happens again. Let's see if I can get a lotto ticket soon. I would say, when it, you know, just to add on to what Andre shared, which is really about creating the culture. So, it's setting expectations. I think really listing out your teaming agreements, like your team agreements, and really stating these are the expectations for how we interact with each other. I think that's why it's super clear, as it's not like, oh, I didn't know. Well, no, we all talked about it, we discussed it. So, because I think some one of the biggest challenges is when you're impacted, if it keeps happening over and over again, and then the person who is, you know, doing the impacting is. Their response is, "I didn't know." Then this can go on indefinitely. So I think really level setting and having those expectations, and you know, really making sure everybody knows this is what we do. So, welcome to being、yeah. human. You're going to cross a line once or twice, maybe thrice, but even then, it's a pattern. So that's something that we might need to escalate. So I think that's the main thing: expectations, and then you know, really being aware of everybody and what they need. In order to thrive. Thank you, Joy. Yeah. So we just touch on、uh, a, a really good part of what can happen in conversation like this in terms of bring up awareness and also talk about what are the ways we can really help each other to build up a better culture, better environment for women to really thrive in their career. So definitely come to the roundtable discussion, and we will talk some more about. The topics you want to bring out as well in this session, and then we will all figure it out together. That's all. Thank you. Yeah, Wen, thank you, thank you for leading our、mm-hmm. our last mini roundtable today. I I really just want to one thank you all for really exhibiting the behaviors that we're talking through when it comes to the the one that really jumps out to me is is that courageous leadership component. I I think being able to show up authentically. To recognize that we all don't have the the perfect answer right now, but but we want to work towards it. We we recognize that we impact、uh, other people, whether through our our products and in our roles, but ultimately in our one to one relationships with direct reports or other colleagues and coworkers, and just 
people in our lives who just want to say thanks for for your time and, and your care to one have this conversation with us today, but also the the job and the work that that I know you all are going to be doing such a great job at coming up during the summit for the actual roundtable. And again, we've we've only just scratched the surface on so many of these topics. So there's a lot of different ways and. and opportunities that we're going to have at the summit to, to dive deeper into these topics and so many more. I just want to tell you all, Echo, Tim, I'm so excited just to hear the impact of the conversations. It's only just the beginning. So to wrap all of this up, the the main thing, just speaking to those listening, when else in your life do you get the chance to fully focus on the future, on your own personal development and growth, and to jump into conversations like this where the people around you literally just want to support and share ideas and share knowledge and help each other get to that next step. That's the summit. That's your moment. It's going to be in a roundtable discussion like that. So this is a final plug for people listening in. If you haven't yet, go register right now to the SFELC Summit, sflcsummit.com forward slash summit 2022. Join us. You want you want to be there. Your teams want to be there. And it's going to be a, a game-changing experience because you get to hang out with people like Joy, like Ken, like Wen, and Andre, um, who are going to be there bringing their knowledge and helping create really impactful conversations. So Joy, Ken, Wen, Andre, thank you for, again, Tim, thank you for helping set up and, and facilitate a, a, a great environment for a great discussion. That is a, a wrap to our first live recording. A round of applause for everybody. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank, you. Thank, you. Yeah, thank you very much.